Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. You're listening to a teaching message by Vintage Church in Harker Heights, Texas. Whenever and wherever you are listening to this, our hope is that you are encouraged and challenged by this message and that you are inspired to take your next step with Jesus. For more information, please visit us at vintage.church or follow us on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Vintage Church. My name's Stephen, and I'm one of the pastors here. I am super excited, whether you're in the room or joining us online, to jump into a brand new series. You know, we've just come out of a four-week series where we were talking about how to survive the holidays. And if you're here today, it means that you have officially almost survived The holidays, you've done it. The holidays are almost over. We're just a few days shy of 2020 being forever in the rearview mirror. Can I get an amen, somebody? How many of y'all excited that 2020 is almost over? How many of you thought that it would never end? It was the longest year of your life. You know, I, I, there's no doubt that 2020 was rough. And I'm going to be honest, even as your pastor, like I love God, I grew in my faith. There were a lot of things that I learned. There were a lot of things that were stripped away from my life that I realized I didn't need. Even more things I knew that I needed, like spiritual family and community and connection with others. Uh, however, there is one thing that I hope we don't lose moving into a new year. There's one thing that I got really, really good at. I think some of you did too. How many of you loved the memes of 2020? How many of y'all love memes? Man, memes are hilarious. 2020 had some of the best memes, right, of any year before. And I hope that as we leave everything else behind in 2020, we do not leave, by, leave behind some of these memes. And so what I want to do is I want to memorialize, right? I want to memorialize and establish some of my favorite memes. And so every single week of this four-week series, we're going to, to just, just have fun and laugh at some memes. So I got a, a few memes that, uh, that I, I think you'll enjoy that I want to make sure we, we take into 2020. How about this? The time traveler said, what year is it? And this was me. <laughs> That's funny. The history teacher teaching about 2020 and 2073. Kids, open your textbook to chapter five. We're going to learn about the year 2020. 2020 is a unique unique leap year. It has 27 days in February, 29 days in February, 300 days in March, and five years in April. Come on. How about this one? This was me being prepared for 2020 and then what actually happened in 2020. And perhaps one of my favorite for today It seemed like in 2020, every second was like this, but wait, there's more. And instead of getting steak knives, we got a whole lot of some other stuff. How many of y'all think that's funny? Come on. Laughter's so good for the soul because we are almost out of 2020. A new year is ahead of us. The reality is you and I cannot change what happened last year, but we can move forward into a better Year. Look what Romans chapter 8, verse 28, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Rome with this idea that I think you and I need to grasp as we put 2020 in the rearview mirror. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that God causes everything, even years like 2020, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. This is so important because a lot of people will quote this scripture. It is a promise. God will work everything out as long as we love God. 
And as long as, no matter how bad it gets, we stay true and faithful to his purpose. God's purpose is building his family, spiritual family, leading people to Jesus, sharing the gospel, going forward this year, regardless of what's going on around us. When we love God and we're called according to his purpose, by the way, that's you. I know you love God and I know you're called according to his purpose because you're at church the week after Christmas. You're here, man. You've celebrated the holidays, right? But you still made it a priority to gather together, whether you're online watching this or you're in the room with me here, that shows that you love God. And even though 2020 was rough, you're believing God for a better year. How many of you believe in God for a better year? Me too, me too. You know, maybe you're here today and you want to grow closer to God and his purposes today. Maybe you're looking back at 2020 and you're going, you know what, I, I do know that I want to be closer to God. I want to discover more of his purpose, but you're not really sure where to start. Maybe you have a relationship with God already, but you feel stuck. I don't believe anyone here is here by accident today. And as we're kicking off the new year, here's what we're going to do. We're going to learn what it means to be fully devoted to God. We're going to unpack and study what I believe are really four essentials of personal devotion. Every one of us are going to get honest. Everyone say honest. We're going to get honest to God before we go into this year. And I believe that when we're honest to God, God's going to bless us this year like never before. Look what God said to the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29, 13. He said, you will seek me and find me. Look at this. When you search for me with all, everyone say all, with all your heart. Here's the big idea of our new series of this whole series, the big idea, honest to God, right? The big idea, the foundation of personal devotion is this truth and this reality we see in the, in the scriptures. It says this, the condition of our heart dictates the direction of our lives. Let me say that again. The condition of our heart determines or really dictates, commands the direction of our lives. If you want a better life, we have to go back to our heart. And this is difficult for you and me because as human beings, we're hardwired to immediately look on the outside. In other words, we're hardwired to judge a person by their appearance or even our experience with them. To judge a book by its cover. But that's not how God works. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, God says to the prophet Samuel, he teaches him something about himself. He says, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. Samuel was looking to, re, to anoint the next king of Israel, and he kept going towards the people who look like kings. And the Lord said, don't do that. Don't judge them because they look like a king. The Lord doesn't see the way you see them. Look what he says. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord, I love this, looks at the heart. Did you know your heart, the condition of your heart, right, determines the direction of your life? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, the, 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 the great Solomon, right, wrote Proverbs, a wisdom book. He says here, guard your heart above all else, meaning there's a lot of things that are important, but nothing's more important. This is what we're doing at the beginning of the year. Nothing's more important than making sure you're guarding your heart. Why? For it determines the course of your life. Now, when we talk about this idea of our heart and guarding our heart, 
what I want to do for the first essential today is I want to talk about worship. I want to talk about worship because when we talk about the heart, we can't disconnect it from worship. Worship is a matter of the heart. Now, when I said worship, what's the first thing that popped into your mind? Chances are probably music, maybe even a Spotify playlist, right? Maybe even what we just did and worshiping God through music. You know, whatever you think of with worship, what I want to do is I want to challenge what you think in terms of worship. What I really want to do is I want to open up your mind to seeing worship not as an activity necessarily, but a posture, right? A position of your heart. I love Psalm 50. Psalm 50 starts with God showing up to make one of the greatest statements in all of human history. God tells us that he's about to speak. And just in case you're confused about which God, this is God, the God of God's God. Now, anytime you see in scripture the word Lord, L-O-R-D, capitalized, that is a personal name for God. That's not an angel. That's not a master. That is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. That is God himself. So anytime you see that in your Bible, God is speaking to you. God himself shows up. The one who started everything is about to open his mouth to judge and speak. And here's what he says midway through Psalm 50. In Psalm 50, verses 7 through 8, he says, Oh, my people, listen as I speak. Here are my charges against you, O Israel. I am your God. I am God, your God. I have no complaint about your sacrifices or the burnt offerings you constantly offer. And so he starts, and he starts to say, listen, I'm going I'm to talk to you about some tough stuff. Okay, but he opens up with actually good news. He says, I don't find fault with your circumstances, which when you study the Old Testament sacrificial system, that's one of the ways that the children of Israel were able to walk with God even though they were sinful. Now, if you're new to the whole church thing, when you think of sacrifices and you think of you know, uh, offerings, it might sound, burnt offerings, it might sound a little weird. And I'll be honest, it, it is a little weird, okay? But it's not really as weird as it sounds when you really take a look at the historical context. For example, the Israelites, like you and me, are sinful and messed up. And they're continuing to sin, in their sin, they have a desperate need of God to purify and cleanse them from that sin so that they can have an unfettered relationship with him. And so God establishes this sacrificial system. It's a temporary system, right, to, 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 to make way for a permanent solution. We see that solution in Jesus. But the purpose of sacrifices and burnt offerings, I'm going to just give you some purposes because I think it's important that you understand it because you're going to see this idea throughout the Old Testament. You need to understand what the purpose of these sacrifice and burnt offerings were. The first purpose was to turn them away from their sin. It was to turn them away from their sin. The next is it was to provide proper payment for the hard cost of the debt. Did you know when you sin, a debt is incurred, right? There has to be retribution. There has to be a payment made for the debt. The third reason was to provide a way to clean and purify the community from the infectious nature of sin among them. And then finally, it was to ensure, and this is really important, it was to ensure God maintains his presence with his people. Did you know you and I, we need the presence of God to be able to live, really, especially the way God's designed us to live. If sin messes up God's world with death and pain, God has the right to make us, the sinful, face consequences. Thankfully, God loved his people in his creation. He doesn't want to kill us. And so an animal's life would be symbolically offered in these burnt offerings, 
right? And sacrifices as a ransom payment to temporarily cover the sins of the people. Now, the word cover is literally the Hebrew word, kafir, which is later translated in our Bible as the word atonement. These sacrifices were the way that God would deal with the Israelites' sin and at the same time provide a system that they could use regularly because they would continue to sin to make sure that they had a right relationship with God when they did sin against him. Now, I want to say this. This is really important for those of you who know Jesus. Jesus, This this system was simply a picture. Remember, it was a temporary, right, a temporary fix, all right, to make way for a permanent solution. That permanent solution was Jesus. He became our ultimate sacrifice. He atoned for all of our sins, past, present, and future, when he was perfect, blimless, died on a criminal's cross, and resurrected from the dead to defeat death. This is important, okay? But we're in Psalm, and this hasn't happened yet. So back to this Psalm, Psalm 50. God has just said that he doesn't find fault with their burnt offerings and the sacrifices from the people. Okay, but he goes on right? To ask some really difficult uh, questions. Psalm 50 verses 9 through 13. But I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens, for all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains, and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. Do I eat the meat of bulls, or do I drink the blood of of goats? So he, he, he almost says, like, he goes back here, hey, I'm happy with your activity, okay, but, but I don't actually need that activity. He asks why he should want them. He did, did he not create that bull and that goat? Do we think he's hungry or something? Yes, God asks rhetorical questions because he was the one that set up this sacrificial system, but it wasn't meant to just be a bunch of religious activity. It was meant to turn their hearts to God. And what was happening is they were doing these things, but their heart wasn't changing. Do you know, sometimes you and I can raise our hands and worship, but our heart not change. Sometimes we can do a lot of things for God, but, it, but, but it's, not, it's not because of his transformation in our life. Our heart's not really turned towards him, even though our activity is trying to, to make us right with him. This is a, there's a, he make, God goes on to make a defining statement in Psalm chapter 15, verses 14 through 15. Remember, we're talking about worship. He goes here, he says, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. In other words, as you're sacrificing, you should be thankful Right? Thankful. And keep the vows you made to the Most High. Then call on me when you're in trouble and I will rescue you and you will give me glory. So the God of the universe, when we talk about worship, it's a posture we see here really of thankfulness. He wants more than just a ritual, more than just an activity. He wants a thankful heart, a life of obedience. We live to trust in him. If God were to say this today, We've looked at this with all the language in Psalm, and I'm going to paraphrase, okay? And I'm going to put this on the screen. If God was to to essentially sum up what what he's saying in the book of Psalm to you and I in our context today, it might might go something like this. I don't find fault with your singing of songs on Sunday, but do you think I really need music? Do you think that's all I want? Do you think it's too quiet where I'm at now? Did I not create music itself in such a way that sounds pleasing to the ear? Do you think I need to hear these songs as a result of my breathing everything into existence in the first place? Now, now here, this is important. Don't misunderstand me. Remember, when we think of worship, we think of the 15 minutes at the beginning of, of, of the message, right? We think of uh, worship, praise and worship songs. We think of worship services or maybe even prayer services, right? What I'm just trying to do is broaden what you think of when you think of 
worship. By the way, worship is incredibly powerful. All right, there is something in our hearts that connect with God. Psalms, the entire book of Psalms, they were a book of worship songs literally meant to be accompanied by stringed instruments. Like it's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with singing praise to God. Okay, not there's nothing wrong, right? But but if you're taking notes, write this down. Worship is more than songs. That's what I'm getting at. We're talking about essentials of devotion. It starts with worship, and worship is more than songs. A thankful heart means living out your whole life to praise God. It's as if God leans in and whispers, make me the center of your attention. And I think sometimes we can make a lot of different things the center of our attention. And as we go into this new year, I think it's important that we we go into this new year with an attitude, a posture, an at attention in worship. The difference between me wanting to be the center of attention and God's statement is that he speaks the fact, right? And let's not get this wrong. He isn't begging to be the center. He is the center. I love saying this because I believe that sometimes we think like we have to put God somewhere in our life. But the reality is like he's already first. The quicker you and I can make him first in our life, the quicker we can walk into all the things he has planned for us in this life. Look what, uh, look, look what, keep moving on. Look what John chapter four, verse 23 through 27 has to say. It says, but the time, this is Jesus, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here when true worshipers, look at this, when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. Look at this. The father is looking for those who will worship him that way for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The idea here is, notice what God isn't looking for. God isn't looking for the best looking, the most stylish, the most talented, those with the most Instagram follower, even the people that wear the coolest Nikes. Come on, somebody. Okay. He's not, he's, that's, that, that's an outward thing. He's looking for an inward change, an inward posture. And while he wants us to use our gifts and our talents to serve others this year, without an attitude of worship, we can never really become fully devoted to him. We'll become fully devoted to a service or fully devoted to an activity, but we'll miss God. By the way, this is what happened with the Pharisees in the New Testament, right? All the things they were doing were meant to position their hearts towards God, and they made it more about what they were doing instead of the God that they were serving. Did you know you and I can do the same thing? Matthew chapter 15 verses 8 through 9. This could be us if we don't have a posture of worship. These people honor me with their lips. Look at this. But their hearts are far from me. Look what it says. Their worship is a farce. Remember our big idea. We started off saying this big idea. It's the condition of our heart that dictates the direction of our lives. And so we never want right, to trade that personal relationship, that posture towards God for some religious activity. Activity is important, right? The half-brother of Jesus, James, says, listen, faith without works is dead. Okay, it, our, our faith does, it results in works, okay, but, but it doesn't start there. It starts in a posture, a heart, right, a, an essential of personal devotion, in an attitude of worship. So what I want to do is I want to close out. We have a few minutes left. If you're taking notes, I want to give you some really practical things. We're going to go real fast. But I want you, as you're thinking about the new year, as you're thinking about all the things that, that God's calling you towards this year, you need to put the practice, the essential of worship first. So there's three fundamentals of worship. The first is this. I will start with Jesus. 
Truly worshiping God always starts with Jesus. If you're in here and you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, right? It doesn't matter what kind of activity you do. It has to start with Jesus. The Bible, front to back, is the story of Christ. It has to start with him. Remember, we no longer sacrifice bulls and goats. There's now been one sacrifice for all, and that's him. I want to encourage you, if you haven't, we have an incredible resource for you. If you're, if you're just getting started in your faith and you want to know more about Jesus and the gospel, the Holy Spirit, the church, and how it all works together, it would be a great time to freshen up on the fundamentals. And so we have something called Start Here. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't, I want to encourage you, get that devotional. Matter of fact, we'll give you one today. If you're online, you can send us a message. We'll send you one in the mail. If you're here in the room, our prayer partners are up here every single service with them. But let's get this year started right. We have to start with Jesus. Remember Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's there with Elijah and Moses, who represent all the law and the prophets. Right? And Peter starts to get the idea that, hey, he's overwhelmed. He says, let's build a, an altar to each of them. And, and look what happens in Matthew 17, 5. But even as Peter spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Look at this. And a great, and a great voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Look what it says. Listen to him. Folks, true worship, right? Fundamental of worship is it always starts with Jesus. The next thing you got to do is you've got to surrender your will. I will surrender my will. Look what Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. You know, many of us are control freaks, right? Taking control often doesn't work because control was never ours to take. We have to learn to live a life of surrender. That's so important. Jesus is first, starts with Jesus, right? But it moves from him to us beginning to surrender our life, our will to him, to his word. The final thing as we close, I believe we need to do, and we're gonna talk about this more next week, how you do this next one, is I will learn to think like God. Right? It starts with Jesus. We start to surrender our will, but we've got to replace our will for God's will. How do you know God's will? Through his word. That's how you know his will. We've got to learn to think like God. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many of you going into 2021, you want to know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many of you? In order to do that, you have to change the way you think. From your way to God's way. As a matter of fact, next week, we're gonna talk about the essential of Bible study. If there was anything you were gonna do this year, right, anything you were gonna do, it would be posture your heart in worship and get to know God through his word. We're gonna give you really practical fundamentals on that next week, but here's what we're talking about, worship. Everybody say worship. We've gotta to determine to start this year with a posture, an attitude, a lifestyle of worship that transcends what we do, but it's really who we are and how we're found in Christ. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for the power of your will. I thank you, God, that 2020 is gone, or almost, and that, Father, you always bring new. 2021, Father, promises to be an incredible year, and I pray, God, that you would speak to us through this message, that, Father, if there's anything in our life that we put above you, Maybe you haven't surrendered your life to Christ. If there's anybody in here that hasn't surrendered their life to Christ or listening to this later, I pray, God, that they would start with Jesus. Lord God, they would surrender their will. And Father, they would learn to think like you. Father, that is the true, the true posture 
of worship. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. You can stay connected with us at vintage.church or on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Here at Vintage, we believe that church is more than a place or a weekend activity. It's a spiritual family where Jesus is the center of our lives personally and our relationships collectively. If you're in the Harker Heights, Fort Hood area, we would love to have you join us this week. You can learn more about us, our service times, and plan your visit by checking out our website at vintage.church. We hope to see you soon.